It's Monday. It's morning. It's macabre. Welcome to Monday Morning Macabre, the show where two individuals talk spooky things each week. I am Darcy. I am here with Scones. We're the individuals. We're the, in, we're the aforementioned individuals. This is a new addition to the macabre cinematic universe. Sure the is. The MCU. And uh, it's going to be a great one. So strap in, folks. It sure is. Uh, you know, Darth, got an email. We're actually... Oh. I don't know if anyone here has listened the past couple of weeks. I know I haven't. Our uh, associate, Darius, his lawyers got in touch. <laughs> <laughs> they want a cease and desist. They need a cease and desist. <laughs> and I got to tell you, we're not giving it to them. Well, this will be a long, contentious court battle. Oh, we're giving them something, and it's... Uh... So get it ready, Darius. Yeah, Darius, you you better buckle up. (laughs) Just making, he, he's, God, I love the thought of an entire group of people not knowing who this individual is and being like, yeah, fuck fuck that guy. Why not? Dude, fuck that guy. Bring his lawyers into this? Are you kidding me? (laughs) The Monday Morning Macabre listeners will not stand for this kind of litigious activity. No. Oh, we, I don't stand for it. Hashtag. No, and I don't think he's ready for the hellstorm that Sling and Dinger's production. <laughs> Our Sling and Dinger law team is filled to the brim with top talent in the field. Okay? The best of the best. The cream of the crop. They rise to the top. I never eat pig because a pig is a cop. Now, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the show before... It's uh one of one of us brings a story for the other one and it's <laughs> I like that. macabre in nature. We had <laughs> that whole thing and then we describe what our <laughs> yeah, and actual then we, shows are. And the, as if a new listener would be like, I'm gonna sit through this. This is good so far. <laughs> Scones today is going to be the the, the macabre to bring us that, that spooky spooky stuff you do like. So the spooky brew today that we will be talking about is the mysterious murders of Pam and Eric Ellender. Oh, okay. I like it. I'm into murder. Yeah. Band, play us in. Okay, so do you know what? <laughs> I like that. I like how we have to put a break in <laughs> in our recording. own recording as if we have the music playing. I'd be lying to you if, if it didn't play in my head when we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know anything about Pam and Eric Ellender? Dude, I don't know anything about anything, so no. Dude, do you know anything about murder? Dude, I know a little bit about murder. Oh, murder. It's a Monday morning Monday morning murder macabre today. A quadruple M. So what were the, what were the names again? Hit me with those. Uh... Pam Littleton and Eric Ellender married each other after college. Oh, they owned sweethearts. a home by Pam's parents and Eric worked for his father in Sulphur, Louisiana. Sulphur, Louisiana. Pam and Eric had an infant wait, wait, girl. Wait, 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 whoa, wait, 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 whoa, wait, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. whoa, whoa, hey. This is, hey, this is, hey, 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 all right, Louisiana. go slow it down, all right, all right. This, is the sec- this, this is the second Popeyes-related episode. Are you serious? Louisiana fast, baby. Hey, 
Booby. Wait. Hey, booby. I still haven't even gotten one of those new chicken sandwiches that like people were like killing each other in the street over. Yeah, I have not either, and I've never had Popeyes at all ever. So. Oh, I have. It's good. You should. Is okay. Well, That's hey, if a, a listener wants to ship us a chicken sandwich, a dirty, greasy chicken sandwich in an envelope, uh, DM us. <laughs> we'll yeah. give you our information. That'd be sick. Anywho. So anyway, they had an infant girl a year after they were married. Dude, I don't like how similar this is to my life so far. I'm, it's freaking me out a little bit. I know. Bit. I started reading it just now, and I was this like, wait is, a minute. <laughs> this, is, this is worrisome. Pam and the baby would go to her parents' home, and they would... Uh, this isn't like a fanfic you wrote about my murder, is it? <laughs> Actually, every story I've ever read about is a fanfic of your death, Darcy. Is you writing in your death note? <laughs> okay, continue. On I'm February sorry. 11, 1991, Pam visited February mother. 11th is my fucking birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Skoz. You're doing something. Something's going on here. Pam visited her mother and received a phone call from Eric saying he was home from work at 8.45 and Pam left her parents home. Also, Pam's my mom's name. Just saying. Continue. The next day, Pam never showed up at her parents' home and no one had heard from Eric. Uh-oh. Huey Littleton, Pam's father, got a phone call from his mother saying that something was wrong, that she had the baby and that the Ellenders were in their bedroom and told him to call the police. Okay. The police went to the house and found Eric and Pam dead. Yikes. They both died of gunshot wounds in the head, and the baby was left alive. Ooh, okay. Well, that's a silver lining. Within hours of the discovery of their bodies lying in their bed in their home, Chris Prudhomme. Now, this is, this. we got a... But Chris, yeah. I also don't know if you know this, but this is also a, uh, the evening of Mardi Gras in 1991. Oh. It was February 11th. Oh, okay. Ah, I see. I don't know. Why would I ever know that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's in Louisiana, uh, so that's like a big deal. Yeah, because they have Popeyes and Mardi Gras. Dude, how many how many beads do you get for having a chicken sandwich? That's uh, the real question. At least one. Yeah, minimum. More than you get for like murdering people in their homes. Yeah, I hope you lose Was beads. Was Chris home? <laughs> <laughs> it's an entirely bead-based economy down there. <laughs> They're just trading, and really no one gets any better off because all they're stuck with is yeah. beads. Massive amounts of poverty and debt in that state, but, I mean, the beads are lovely. Yeah, the richest of the rich just jumping in like Scrooge McDuck into a pit of beads. <laughs> anyway, Chris, Chris home. An 18-year-old high school dropout was arrested in the victim's Toyota 4Runner with three oh. other young drifters. All right, so this is not a mystery. Oh, I have to hold on. Well, so the 18 year old and all his friends like steal the car of the people who were just murdered. Prudhomme quickly confesses to the murders. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Next episode, baby. (laughs) In a statement videotaped by authorities, Prudhomme wearing an orange prison jumpsuit and stroking his wrists nervously says, I went and shot him. I shot the guy. He had a hole in his head. The lady, when she jumped, I shot her too in the face. Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is the set now. The implication here is that this guy's a fall guy. Before the end of the month, authorities said they had found Prudhomme unconscious hanging from a noose in a jail shower stall. Yo, he had an oopsie whoopsie like. So Chris Prudhomme oopsie whoopsied in the stall. Yeah, he he literally. He uh, had a Jeffy Epi oopsie whoopsie. Shit. So there was also a handwritten suicide note exonerated his companions in the stolen vehicle. The main reason of my death is to hopefully ensure that they receive their freedom, Prudhomme wrote. 
Which I don't know how you killing yourself really frees up all your friends. No, that's not how the law works at all. It's not like <laughs> a soul for a soul Marvel deal. Oh, the floating red dude? <laughs> yeah. The message closed with defiant words. I enjoyed very much in the taking of those two individual lives. Ugh. I don't need society. Okay. So he's got a very like... Yeah, he's got a real anarchist dark outlook. Yeah. Kind of fucked up shit. Prudhomme remained comatose for a week before his family decided to finally pull the plug and he died. Oh, so he wasn't dead when they found him? No, and they like got him down, but he was in a coma. Oh, okay. And then his okay. family was like, Yeah, like, no, that, like, that's hey, understandable. We're not gonna pay to keep him on life support if he's just running around murdering people. Yep. The sheriff of Colcasu Parish? I don't know how to say that. I think you nailed it. Colcasu. <laughs> I don't know about that last vowel, but the rest of it sounds good. It's C A L C A. C A L C A. So that's the Calca. And then S I E U. Calcus, oh, probably Calcaso. It's French, I imagine. Calcaso. Calcaso yeah. Parish. Calcaso. Wayne McElveen. He's the sheriff in town, and he pronounced that the case is closed. So, you know, he put a lot of work in, obviously. Right. But nearly eight years later, the Ellender murder case continues to bleed like an open wound. Nice. Some Macabre. beautiful words from uh, Curtis Wilkie, author of this article that I'm using mostly uh, in the Boston Globe. Oh, Boston Globe. 1999 my edition, uh, editorial story of the Boston Globe. Right below a Red Sox double hitter, baby. Hey, Tessie is the one. <laughs> it's just, we, should just quiet, we should just play quiet Dropkick Murphys over the <laughs> yeah, entire back say, episode. Shipping up to Boston, baby. Until we don't have any listeners left. <laughs> it's a six-hour episode where we play the entire discography. Fuck. Now I lost my place because of all this. No, you found your place, homie. And it's in Boston. And it's Uh, in Boston, baby. Tommy Brady, get down here. Right. So there's fucking allegations, dude. Many as a Dorchester. (laughs) We should do the rest of the episode in Boston accent. Bro, I was in Lemonstead, dude. This fucking prick, right? (laughs) So uh, many people are going to be like, fuck, this episode is now ruined. So now there are allegations that as many as a dozen people had broken into the Ellender's home that night. What? And were present when they were shot. Wait, there was just like a party of thieves. Actually, it was linked to a satanic cult. <gasps> this got so fucking cool. That was held hot, like holding I mean, like, a sad, party based around party. the slayings of innocent people. Okay, so this, and by, by, when I say cool, now I gotta, I mean, <laughs> let's t- take back the retract that statement interesting (laughs) interesting yes uh morbidly interesting not cool cool is a bad word there are there are innocent people who were murdered which is not good but right and that's why any of you listen to this podcast at all (laughs) if i was just like they got shot in the head the guy confessed to it it bada bing bada boom (laughs) high five next episode okay what Hitler's if we ghost. did just like regular <laughs> crimes, like nothing that had to do with Satan or like scary stuff? I was just like, yeah, you robbed the 7-Eleven. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was it. He didn't pay 80 parking tickets. I knew there was going to be some kind of twist, but I didn't know what it was going to be. But I am I am morbidly interested in this twist before people start like <laughs> shitting all over me. Before they start tying you to Satanic Cult's party. Yeah, right. uh, But all of the allegations, the sheriff refused to pursue any leads. Why? Um, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, to me. I think that's just kind of what the 
police in our stories do. The, yeah. By stories, <laughs> the, I mean real I was going to say, your fictional universe has really poor criminal justice. Because law enforcement officers and his son, his own son, were implicated in these allegations of a satanic oh, cult. There it is. There's That's the, the rub right there. There's the dry rub, dog. And that prude home was actually choked to death in his jail cell by the law enforcement officers and the sheriff's son who were linked. Hey, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for the movie Hot Fuzz coming up. Holy shit. Dude, this is some, uh, what's that movie? Um, Hot Fuzz shit. I don't know if you've seen Hot Fuzz. Also, spoiler alert that I, I should... Spo- I'll throw yeah, this you in. You just it. ruined Hot Fuzz hey, for a ton of people. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for the movie Hot Fuzz coming up. You know, the hit 2010 movie or whatever that is. <laughs> If you if you're if you if you're on a 2008 film binge, spoiler alert. Anyway, uh, Huey Littleton, the father of Pam Ellender, by trade, he is an insurance investigator. Okay. So he's the father of Pam Ellender, and he decides to lead an emotionally charged crusade to prosecute anyone Good. he believes was responsible that night. Good for him. So he's like the dad, being like, "I'm getting justice." Like in yeah. the movie. He would be the guy taking the law into his own hands. Right. He's the Punisher. Yeah. He's the rock in that movie where the rock has that big stick. Uh, yeah. It's called like big stick beef butt it's or called something like that. Some... stones break your bones. <laughs> what is the uh, walk? No, not walk hard. The Dewey That's... Cox story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So as a, I'm, I'm into it. I like where the, I like yeah. this guy's attitude. Huey Littleton. Yeah. Huey, Huey Littleton in the news and the news is in and he's about to bust some heads. So despite the sheriff's contention that Prudholm had acted alone in trying to make it a sh- like open and shut case, Littleton developed evidence that has led to several indictments and convictions. So this guy's like getting fucking results. Did you say indictments real quick? Yeah, indictments. You mean indictments? Holy shit, is that how you spell indictment? <laughs> I don't think I've ever read the word indictment. I've never yeah, there's a C in there. <laughs> That's a stupid... Dude, what? Bro, this guy got dickmaned. I think the only times I've heard indictments is watching like <laughs> Law and Order, and I've yep. never seen it written out. <laughs> bum bum, we are lawyer guys. <laughs> <laughs> we listen. We got a lawyer team, guys. We're gonna hit them with the indictments if they try and come after us. All right. So we, <laughs> so one of Prudhomme's friends, Bobby Adkins, will be tried sometime this year on a second degree murder charge. Wait, this when is, did this? When did this happen? Uh. Sorry, so um, I might not have been clear before the the article I'm reading from, where I should say that year that or oh, whenever the oh, author oh, says oh, this year, oh, okay. it's 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Which is still almost a decade after the murders. Which is 21 years ago, and that's blowing my mind, dude. Right. 99 was like six years ago, dude. Like Donkey Kong 64 came out so long ago, dude. If he shoots you, it's gonna hurt, and that is on brand for this story. <laughs> The whole time we find out it was Lanky Kong. It was Lanky Kong in his beautiful blue jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Even though technically Diddy was the one with the guns, but we'll, you know, we're gonna we're gonna let it slide. Yeah, I think Lanky Kong had like a blow dart. Yeah, he did. Anyway, Littleton's quest grew out of a commitment that he had made at the deathbed of his daughter and son-in-law. Before the coroner could remove their bodies, Littleton held them both and said I will find out who's responsible and I will be there for your daughter who was 18 again, 18 months old when the two parents were shot in the head. Yikes. 
I mean, I I'm glad that the child survived. Yeah, you know, definitely. This, I, but that's, that's going to be a tough teenage years dealing with that. Yeah, that's not great. So Littleton has spent up to this point four hundred grand tracking down Good. people across the country, like getting, uh, like interviewing people, getting documents, videotapes of testimony. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's like crossing their fingers for some real good justice here. Did Littleton is quoted saying, it's been a nightmare. I used to see law enforcement as the glue that keeps a community together. I really thought the sheriff did a wonderful job at first. Then as information came to me, I thought the sheriff overlooked some tips. Mm. After a while, I decided he had botched the case. Using the B word. Now I'm convinced there was a cover up the C word. In 1995, McElveen, the sheriff in question, fired back with three full-page advertisements in a local newspaper rejecting Littleton's claims as the obsessions of a grief-stricken father. What an asshole. First of all, not classy or professional of an elected official to take out advertisements in the paper saying that like a guy trying to get justice for his kids is like a, grie- a crazy person because his kids died it doesn't seem fair if you're the one being accused to be like uh actually i think you're just a crazy person it's like well i mean that's of course you'd say that they're not you know yeah it was not there clearly wasn't effort it was like uh uh elementary school like no uh you stink yeah yeah right i i you didn't tag me i had a, a shield or whatever there's also people the public information officer for the sheriff's offices she claims yeah. that the sheriff was going out of his way to help little Sam. how how does that help him but when Prudhomme hung himself, Littleton went off the edge, she claims. So we got back and forth. Sheriff's got people like saying, uh, like defending him, or I guess so one this- person defending him, Lana Brunet, public information officer of the sheriff's office. But it also does not sound like Littleton was helped at all. So was Littleton trying, like doing, like, so after the initial murders, Littleton was like, I'm getting justice. And then they're like, you're a crazy person. And then Prudhomme dies? No, uh, this was all post Prudhomme because Prudhomme okay, died okay, okay. pretty quick. All right, gotcha. And then the sheriff was like, "Oh, he killed himself because uh, and admitted to it in a note, so I don't need to do any work." Yeah. And then Littleton's gotcha. like, "Wait, no, there was like a Satan party with your son there and like other cops there." That's wild. And the sheriff's like, "No, see, I'm helping you." <laughs> and what it reads like, Look at me, help you. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like. All right, I got it. Brunet, the lady who um, helped like or defended the sheriff, said that she had evidence that Littleton was paying people to testify against the sheriff. And she says that we have records that they paid. And then I guess Littleton fires back with, uh, he said the only money he gave to witnesses involved expenses. So like them traveling to come right. meet him or like whatever. Yeah, sounds like, a, sounds like a good dude so far. I like him. Yeah, as the events have played out and like they fired back at each other, Littleton even was like, "Hey, prove it. Give us your evidence that I paid off these people." <laughs> like, and then no, <laughs> nothing point. ever came of it. Okay, yeah, that's very elementary school. Yeah, Littleton actually unsuccessfully ran against McElveen to try and get McElveen, who he sees at this point as like unfit to be sheriff out of there. Dude, what a wild election that would be! Dude, it happened. I 1995 know, like, sheriff's election. So also that's like nuts. that's like crazy. I don't know if anyone here knows. And by anyone here, I mean Darcy and then all of our listeners. <laughs> Colin knows how you know. ridiculous 
sheriffs and kind of horrible sheriffs can be? I I mean, I like, don't so know. Sheriffs are elected officials. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, everyone has a sheriff. You can look them up. There's about 3,000 in the U.S. I'm, I'm a deputy kind of guy, honestly. Sheriffs almost always run unopposed because if anyone in their office tries to run against them, they often kind of pressure them or make them feel they yeah, kind of turn into a hostile work environment towards them. Also, many sheriffs have an insane amount of power within their legal system that has almost no oversight or like they never get in trouble for any of the bullshit they do. Also, if an alien meteor ever lands in your small town and you're the sheriff, your son is going to be the one who finds the aliens. Right. It's funny because like movies always have sheriffs as being like... <laughs> yeah. The like lone the guy who has good. to do the whole thing when really like when you turn on your TV and you hear about a sheriff, it's usually because they're like embezzling funds and like. Yep. 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 So that kind of bullcrap can happen. Everyone get out there, vote for a sheriff. Look at your sheriff and vote if they suck. Like the one <laughs> in this story. Uh, so basically, Little Tim was running for sheriff. He lost. Mm-hmm. Under pressure from Middleton, McElveen reopened the investigation finally. So here we go. A little bit of something. Okay. But after Littleton lost faith in local authorities, District Attorney Rick Bryant handed the case over to the State Attorney General's office in 1993. An extraordinary move. Boom. Prosecution is now being handled by Fred Dewey, an Assistant Attorney General. I'm convinced that more than one person was involved, Dewey said. I love it. I like him. So here we go. We got another guy in here. We got Doohee. Fred Doohee's coming in from the state. He's like, whoa, who called? Fresh in from Baton Rouge. Ready Ooh, to I love bust it. Bust some skulls and find out who was involved. That dude's wearing a hat 100%. Dude, there's no way in fucking hell. <laughs> there's no that way he's guy's not, not wearing a hat. He's got <laughs> spurs 100,000%. In a separate interview, though, Bryant said that before rescuing himself from the case, he had tried to accommodate Littleton by calling a list of witnesses supplied by Littleton and by giving him three days to testify personally before a grand jury. The district attorney said that some of Littleton's witnesses were, quote, pieces of trash who had no credibility. <laughs> I like it. So it's not going great for Littleton off the bat. So in his research, Huey Littleton had found out that Chris Prudhomme belonged to a satanic group called Skater. <laughs> what a dumb name for your cult. No, you, dude, you don't even know. Hold on. It stands for Satan's Kids Against the Establishment. Oh, my God, dude. Holy shit. Did Sum 41 making its whole cult? What dude, the, the best fuck? part is that there's no R. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait. So <laughs> how? <laughs> it's just skate. They call themselves skater, but really the thing ends at skate. Dude, Avril Lavigne's inspiration started here. He was a skater boy. It's about the cult. I'm convinced. Don't at me. Or do. See what happens. Lawyer, lawyer team, lawyer, lawyer up, baby. Because <laughs> here we are. Because we're, we're already on one front. We can lawyer up even more. I got a tie. I can go to court. Easy. Don't try You me. just bring a briefcase and you say I got a briefcase objection. and a tie. And I can yell. Yeah, exactly. I can yell objection. Overruled. We are lawyers. We're lawyers right? now. Overruled. Darius. If you say we're not, overruled. Objection. Sorry. So a girlfriend to one of... Uh, Huey Littleton interviewed a girlfriend of one of the men in the group. Uh, about a meeting that they had where the group was concocting an alibi. The witness said that Chris and another guy broke into the house to steal, but high on LSD, and they found a gun and killed the two as they slept. Jesus so that's Christ. another story. You think two guys just broke in and were like, we're so high, and then just <laughs> shot them with guns. 
That's like that's that's the dare advertisement of what happened. Yeah, that's literally like I'm so high right now. I need to kill. Yeah, right. <laughs> so basically, Reese Dewey is the prosecutor at this point, and he's like, "We're trying to find who was there that night, what the fuck happened, and why all this bullshit's going down." Right. One witness that's singled out by the prosecutor was Kurt James Reese. A drifter with a long-ass criminal record. In a videotape testimony, Reese described a discussion the morning after the murders by participants who were anxious to keep people's names out of it. One of those to be protected, Reese said, was Richard McKelvin. Because, quote, his father was the sheriff. Got him. Reese would later plead guilty to charge of accessory after the fact and was released after a short stay in jail. What? What an asshole. <laughs> anyway, maybe because he gave up that info. Reese was one of several witnesses turned up by Littleton, who as the head of his own insurance claim service, had years of experience investigating arson and illegal insurance claims. He got his first break, he said, when he learned of a conversation between a 14-year-old boy, Sean Moody, and Bobby Adkins, who's one of Chris Pudholm's friends. Bobby Adkins himself is facing trial on second-degree murder charges. In this case, according to Littleton, Adkins told Moody that he suffered nightmares because he had been with Prudholm the night of the killings. Shit. I certainly thought we'd hit the jackpot, Littleton said, but Moody's account was dismissed by all authorities. I don't know how he's supposed to win. If Me neither. the thing you have to report to is the thing that commits the crime, how do you win? Yeah, it seems pretty America, hard. how do you do it? Huey interviewed over 100 people in the coming years. One witness, Nikki Alderson, came forward and said that the skater members had a party at the home after the death. So she said that. She had seen they had people a party, party after? Yep, partying in the home, and Chris was one of them. She asked whose house it was, and Chris told her that he had no idea. She said everyone was standing and sitting around, and they were in their own worlds. They were Jesus drugs visible, and they were snorting it off the table. So that sounds like... That makes it sound like she didn't even know that he killed them. Like, he killed them, came downstairs, and was like, party on, dudes. Also, is a group of drug addicts just a cult now? Is that all that it is? I think you have to have a cool name like Skater. Oh, yeah, that's a cool name. You're right. Shit, I'm sorry. And it has the word satanic in it. Yeah, so you win. But no R. God, that bothers me. The next day, she saw the house on the news and realized that the house was the one she was at. However, the sheriff didn't see it as reliable information. That's insanity. You're insane, Mr. Sheriff. They had never seen any signs of a party in the house when they arrived. Another witness came forward and told them that more than just one person molested the bodies of Pam and Eric sexually Uh, that night. Jesus. Yo, boy. This came from a guy named Chip who was at the house. Thanks, Chip. Chip said that he had seen the video of what was going on at the house with skater members. Since Chris was dead, the next suspect in line was Bobby Atkins. Uh It was with Chris when he was arrested in Baton Rouge. Atkins told Sean Moody again what happened that night at the house. The wife was shot first and the husband second. So, did you hear what I just said? The wife was shot first and the husband second? Yeah, it goes against the original story of the man and then the wife jumped up. Yeah. More people had planned to say about the murders and the freakish party that was held after Eric and Pam were murdered. A girl named Pearl had taped conversation with her cousin Cam Manuel who described the scene in the house. She said that Chris shot Eric and that a separate guy shot Pam. Oh. They were about to kill the baby 
But another girl there begged them no and took the baby into another room. Jesus. The grand jury, who was summoned for this case, heard the tape and returned two counts of second-degree murder against Kim. Oh. Some felt that this was a way to get Kim to point fingers at others. One lawyer said that he felt that it was a scripted tape recording and that nothing that Kim was saying was true. That's, yeah, that's a good defense, bro. Pearl, however, stands by what she recorded. One year later, all charges against Kim were suddenly dropped, but she could be charging in the future. Now, obviously, Huey Littleton is absolutely disgusted at this point because through all of this bullshit, nothing, no one else has come from it except for Chris Prudhomme, who is dead. Huey Littleton uh, has stopped going to the police and said that he has no trust in them, and the police themselves feel like they have no credibility with Huey Littleton. Sheriff Wayne McElveen said that they feel sorry for Littleton, but he has gone so far as to clearly blocking any kind of progress Huey Littleton can make. Okay. Pretty right. sick. Is that? Do we have any any closure here? You want closure? Or is this? Or is you this came the to the, the wrong story? fucking podcast. Shit! Dude. This is how it ends. According to account Littleton has pieced together, Prudhomme led an expedition to the Ellender's home after seeing Helter Skelter, a movie about the Charles Manson murder spree. A witness said Prudhomme became excited as he watched the movie on TV chanting, Manson, Manson, he's our man. If he can't do it, Prudhomme can. Jesus Christ. Although Bobby Adkins was identified as the killer by at least one witness, Littleton has videotapes of two other witnesses, Chip Richard, who I mentioned before, and Bobby Stoddard, a new guy who said that they were in the room when Prudhomme gave a sawed-off shotgun to another person, Philip Ledeau, who then shot Eric Ellender. So now we have all these names. Wait, yeah, we have a bunch of names, and also a shotgun shot is much different than, like, a hand... Like, right. There's, so that's yeah. what's crazy about this, is you get a thousand different stories, all okay. slowly kind of piecing together that night, but all right. in slightly different ways. Right. Which also kind of makes it hard for Littleton to make. I was gonna say that's not great for Littleton because that doesn't help. Like that makes it even almost worse because it's like, well, how do we know what to believe out of this? Ledeau was convicted in 1995 of two counts of being an accessory after the fact to second-degree murder. An appellate court, which upheld the decision, said its opinion was that evidence was sufficient to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Bobby Adkins was a principal to the murders. So he does get a little bit of justice, I should say. Okay, still not enough, but. It's a little better. I, I mean, <laughs> still has has compiled a list of 48 different people who are said to have Jesus. been in the house, including the sheriff's son, two deputies and a game warden for that part of Louisiana. So this is just a uh, something happened and there's just no way that we get to find out what the truth is. No, that Littleton would say <laughs> local authorities bound by political connections would repeatedly discount any evidence he would bring forward. Well, and so that is how a small town in Louisiana would see the murder of two horror, like totally innocent people by a satanic cult, which would then get covered up by law enforcement there. Pretty macabre. That is a macabre story. God damn it. 
And I didn't make it up, despite all the weird connections. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that yet, but we will see. Oh, man. I hate the skaters. I think that's a lame name for a cult. And just for that alone, they should be thrown away in jail. That is a just a bummer. But also, you know, this story has played out in so many small towns across the U.S. Like, Definitely. For, and like people were punished like Bobby Adkins, Philip LaRue, uh, Kim Manuel, and obviously Chris Prudhomme were all punished. People but, were punished, but we, uh, we, how, how do we know that A, the right people were punished? And B, that they were punished to the fullest extent that they should be based on like who was when the people, like I said, when the people who are committing the crimes are the ones you have to report the crimes to, there's just no way to get justice. It's impossible. It's also like that could just be four out of 48 members of the satanic cult. (laughs) Also insanity. Hey, that's the murder of Eric and Pam Ellender. That party was kind of, I mean, that uh, that story was kind of a lot of legal and names and mumbo jumbo, but still. But still, point being. It's macabre. It's macabre. It's fucked up. And it's Monday. And that's what you came here for. If you like the show, give us a follow on Twitter at MMMacabrePod, Instagram Monday Morning Macabre, Facebook Monday Morning Macabre, hit up MondayMorningMacabre.com for all your macabre Monday morning needs. And, uh, you know, tell a friend, subscribe, do whatever you have to do. But just remember, fuck Darius. Fuck, oh my gosh, I'm getting my blood <laughs> boiled just thinking about it. Fuck. And have a good day. Have a, have a good Monday. Monday. Boop. Boop. <laughs>